0: All right, good afternoon, everybody. We welcome you to Wednesday afternoon Bible study and my name is Dr. Smitty. Well, I knew you wouldn't believe it if I told you I was Pastor Regina, so I thought I would try Dr. Smitty. But we miss both of them and uh, thank Dr. Smitty for stepping up the last couple of weeks. He had an appointment in Atlanta today, so, so you're stuck with me. But I'm glad to be here to share with you today in Bible study and uh, this will be recorded so if you want to listen on our podcast in the future it's available and you can do that okay so we do want to continue to pray for pastor regina at this time and for all those who have special needs we received a call this morning from walkers fort baptist church uh, that their pastor david suffered a serious heart attack earlier this morning and so we have him on our prayer list and uh, ask you to remember him. And uh, by the lifting of your hand, do you have a special need. And God already knows what we need even before we ask. All right. One announcement I would like to make. I want you to see what's on the screen and make note of this. Uh, October is anniversary month at Shades of Grace. That's when we moved into this building. But my friend, Reverend Walter Cross, He is the Dean of Preaching for the Holston Conference. He's a wonderful preacher and he's blind, but he remembers the scriptures. He is a wonderful preacher. So he's gonna be here on Friday night, the 20th, and Saturday morning service, the 21st. And you know, I don't give up my services very often on Saturday, but about twice a year or three times a year, I do that. So he will be preaching on Saturday morning. And I want you to spread the word and try to join us for these two special anniversary services. It's gonna be good, okay? All right, so let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you now for another opportunity to study you, for you are the living word, and in you we live and move and have our very existence. Bless all of our requests today. Touch each of our hearts. Forgive us of our sins, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. All right, I don't know how many of you remember, but as far as my preaching goes, when I'm doing services or Bible studies, I always lean, first of all, to the Gospels. I like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and I think I could preach the rest of my days out of those four books and still barely scratch the surface. So since it was me, I chose to go with the Gospel of John today if you would like to turn to that or if you would like to look at your device and look it up on your um, cell phone or ipad or whatever you have um, while you're doing that who can name to me the four, four gospels who what are the four gospels all right matthew mark luke and john and each of those four gospels has a little bit of a prelude before we actually start verse one in John, is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one, give a specific viewpoint from their experience of Jesus Christ. And so, Mark, for example, introduces Jesus as he's already an adult. It doesn't mention the nativity story at all. While uh, Luke does tell us that um, you know, it goes all the way back to uh, the time of his birth, childhood, and all of that, and Matthew and Luke. And then uh, John tells us about Jesus all the way back past all of that, past the nativity, past his adulthood, all the way into the beginning. And we begin that with verse 1. In the beginning... Where else do you find that phrase? What other book of the Bible? Genesis chapter 1. So we find the same thing here repeated in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word. And you've heard me say many times, W-O-R-D, the W is capitalized, which means what? It is a title. That is a proper name. And so that person, that person with the proper name, the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and we know him as Emmanuel, God with us. And I heard a minister say the other day, uh, Emmanuel means God with us, the Holy Spirit means God within us. Okay? So that's a good way to remember that. He, the Word, the capital W, The word of God, who is manifested and made flesh, was with God in the beginning. Remember in Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then if you go a little bit further, it tells us that uh, God says it is good. And let us, before that he said, let us make man in our own image. Okay, so we have the triune nature of God. Through him, through Jesus, God in the flesh, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. I love that word all, don't you? I I don't want to have anything to do with uh, groups that exclude other people for other reasons. Because the gospel is good news to the entire world, to all people, okay? So this is the light that shines for all of humanity. Verse five, the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. You may have various words for that. It might mean the light, um, what, what does yours say? That darkness was not overcome? in him is no darkness. Yes, so the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And one translation says the word has not understood it. Now we go to verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, the light that we mentioned a few moments ago. So obviously this John in verse 6 is not the same as John the Gospel writer, okay? That, that was a very common name in the biblical days. So, this John the Baptist, as we know him, came only to bear witness of the light that had already come that the Gospel writer John talks about. He came to be a witness to it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. And that's been the state of the world throughout the millenniums and throughout the centuries. It would be kind of like, uh, I would say, maybe a person who created um, a Ford automobile, Henry Ford, for example. And he built the first car, but then the car didn't recognize him as its creator. Now, that's kind of a very basic, simple thing, but the world that God created, the human beings who were created in his image and likeness, did not recognize him. They did not know who he was. And so he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. That is, to the Jewish nation. Yet to all who did receive him, there we have that word all again, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. And remember, if we continue on in this series for any length of time, and if I'm doing it, or if someone else, in John chapter three, we have that great story of Nicodemus who comes to Jesus by night, and he's asking, how can I become this child of God? How can I know that I am surely in the kingdom? And of course, that's when Jesus says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Okay, remember that scripture? So this is talking about being born from above or born of God or having a new light put into our spiritual soul. The Word, that capital W, okay, the Word became flesh, so that means Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Another verse says that God emptied himself and laid aside the attributes of deity. But the word became flesh. They called him Jesus. They knew him as Emmanuel. And he lived among us for about 33 plus years, a little over 33 years. And it says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace And truth. What would be your definition of grace if someone were to ask you? We have that in our name. It's on everything we do. Shades of grace. There's an acronym I can give you if you'd like to remember it, the letter G-R-A-C-E. You could write it down in a straight line. G is for God, God possessive, apostrophe S. God's riches at Christ Expense. Okay, that's one way to remember grace. It's the love of God that came down to us through Jesus Christ and all the sacrificial love that he offered to the world. So that's how he became flesh and dwelt among us and became full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and he cried out and said, This is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Now John the Baptist was three months older than Jesus roughly, maybe six months. I'm not sure exactly now, but they were cousins. They were relatives. Mary and um, Elizabeth were cousins and both were with child. And so Elizabeth already was carrying uh, baby John, who would be the baptizer, John the Baptist. And when the news came of Christ coming with Mary, the babe leaped within her womb, okay? You remember that story? And so, um, yet John the Baptist, when he did come and preach, he said, um, in other words, he's saying, I'm older than Jesus, but yet he was here before me. and That sounds like a paradox. but. What he's saying is, Jesus, the one I testify of, is from everlasting to everlasting. He is eternal. So he who comes after me has surpassed me, even though he was before me. So it's truth. It's not oxymoron, maybe. Out of his fullness, out of the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace in place of grace already given now does anybody's translation say grace upon grace does anybody have that i know that phrase is found in the new testament grace upon grace and some of you have heard me mention that phrase from time to time i believe that we all need grace every day and we need to be able to extend grace to others but have you ever had those very difficult days when you feel like you just needed a little extra dose of grace. And that's what I call the grace upon grace, the multiplied grace of God. Some days we need more to get through than on other days, right? That's how it is here in the daily ministry at Shades of Grace as we deal with folks with all kinds of issues and problems who come into these doors every day with a different story. Some cases have very easy answers. Some have solutions that we've dealt with the problem so long that Jimmy already knows, hey, I can help you. But others are much more complicated with so many layers that we need grace upon grace and multiplied grace to get through it. So, so that is how Jesus has shared his love with the world. He came to be that measure of grace and mercy and peace and hope and forgiveness that all of us need all of us need that now the law that 's the Old Testament law, if you remember that um, the the grace was the, the law was given to Moses on the mountain, and that's what uh, jesus this, this is what th- is talking about here. the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, okay? And there is a verse, and many verses actually, but the scripture teaches that um, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all humanity, teaching us. And it shares the things that, that it's teaching us to do. But that Jesus was the lawgiver. Uh, Moses was the lawgiver, and Jesus represented the law, but Jesus consolidated all of those Ten Commandments and then many, many more laws beyond that into how many commandments? Two. And these are thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then they wanted to ask the question, but who is my neighbor? And isn't it just like us to always try to figure out things that we don't need to figure out. And Jesus simply said, everybody, everybody is your neighbor, okay? So we don't have to worry now about who our neighbor is, right? And so Jesus came to be the fulfillment of that law of the Old Testament. And grace and truth came through him. Then he says, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only God who is himself God and is the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. In the Old Testament, we have that story of Moses who wanted to see God, and God's, God was represented as the Shekinah presence, the brightness and the glory of the Creator. And so the Scripture says that um, as God told him, I'm going to pass by, but you go up in that cave, and when I do pass by, then you can look out and you can see the brightness of my glory as I pass by. Okay? So, but no one has really seen God. I've not seen God in the flesh, you know, as a human being. I have never seen God, but I know God exists. You've never really seen God. But then Jesus said, Jesus himself said, if you have seen me, then you have seen God. And then we could take that another step further and say, if we truly know Jesus and have Jesus living in us, then truly we too have seen God. Not so much in the way as the world thinks of actually seeing someone, but we see God through our emotions, through our feelings that are manifested in having God with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, the kingdom of God is within us. And so that's what the scripture means, that we can be close to God in relationship even though we have not personally seen God. Now we use the term Christian. Jesus never used the word Christian. That came into effect years and years after the New Testament began. It it came into existence after Pentecost and people were first called Christians in a place called Antioch. Do you remember that? And it's there they were known as Christians. But do you know what the word Christian means? Let's break it down. The word Christ means anointed one. The one who is anointed. Okay? And remember there were prophecies given all throughout the Old Testament and we read about it. in. Uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah and some of the other prophets, how that he will be anointed and, you know, the kingdom of God will be upon his shoulders and all of this, it talks about him. But now we become friends with him. Because let's take it a step further than actually seeing God as a friend who loves us and who redeems us, but we can see him and know him as our friend, and what is the qualification in the Bible of being called the friend of God? Does anybody know? I'm gonna give you the fill in the blank. Jesus said, I call you my friend if. There's a contingency there. What is the if? If you keep my commandments, if you do the things that I command you to do, and he also says those commandments are not grievous. In other words, it's not going to be a burden to you to keep those laws because they're no longer 10, there's no longer 560 laws, but there are only two, and we've already mentioned those. And if we ever master that, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as you love yourself, then Jesus said we have done well if we can do that, right? So we sing that little song sometimes that says, He's still working on me. You ever heard it? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars and Jupiter and Mars. But he's still working on me. And I'm glad, aren't you? I'm glad he didn't give up on me. Remember in the Old Testament, Jeremiah, I think it was, went down to the potter's house. And God said, I want to show you a lesson. And he was, anybody ever worked pottery at all? Anybody ever done that? You have, Joanne, okay? And I've watched them do the pottery. They take clay and it has to be with the right content of everything and the moisture. And they put it on a wheel and they turn it and they motion it, uh, fashion it. And if it ever cracks uh, while he's making it, or maybe he finds a little foreign particle of rock or something that shouldn't be there, he doesn't just continue on and working around that flaw, what does he do? He breaks it all apart, puts it back in the pile of clay, remolds it fashion, and starts all over again. Aren't you glad? I am so thankful that when we become a new person in Christ, that we don't have to carry around all the old flaws of the past, right? We, every day is a new day of grace and forgiveness. Now when I say we don't carry those around that means sometimes in the physical sense we always remember sometimes we remember things all the days of our lives there have been tragedies that i've been involved in my life that i will never forget as long as i live i don't talk about them and they are buried with christ but yet those memories come up and sometimes at the time you least expect and so There are some things that we do deal with all the days of our life, but the good news is that we can be in close relationship with the Father through Jesus and can be known as his friend. Jesus also calls us family. Have you ever thought of Jesus as being your brother? He is. He's your big brother. And I've always heard the children say, as long as my big brother was around, I didn't have to worry. So if you didn't have a big brother, you'd have to make sure you had a good friend who did, right? But Jesus is our friend, he is our brother, and he helps us on this journey to know what love is. Now, this, is, this next segment in verse 19 is about John the Baptist telling the people that, that he himself is not the Messiah. Now, this was John's testimony. This is John in prison, right? Um, when the Jewish lead- leaders sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did say, I am not the Messiah. I am not the one. And then they asked him, Who are you then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Then they said, are you a prophet? And he said, no, I am not. And finally they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And all that John the Baptist would do was quote some scriptures from the Old Testament Isaiah that said, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. You know, when you don't have any other answer, it's good to have a verse or two memorized in the back of your mind and heart that you can share with somebody in need, right? So the questions, and we talked about that a little bit Saturday and the week before, how the religious people were always filled with questions. And you know... I get uncomfortable when I meet people, in a, maybe in a room or a group where I don't really know people, and maybe one person will kind of uh, corner me off, and then they just begin asking all kinds of personal questions. And This is someone I've never seen or known before. I see some of you laughing about that. Do you all feel comfortable when that happens? Right? So, um, you know, I, it's sometimes when people ask all the questions. It's best to just give the answer that John the Baptist gave. That was just a short answer. And the Bible says, let your yes be yes, and let your no be no. Anything more than that comes of evil. You know, Pastor Regina and I talk about that a lot over the years we do these theological discussions on the phone or whatever, and the year that she was here working with us full time. And, uh, you know, I always say, Regina, Don't give them all your information. You just hold back a little bit, you know, and uh, let your yes be yes. And so we joke about that a lot. Sometimes, you know, just say yes or no and let that go. As Oscar sings, let it go, let it go, okay? So, yeah, let it go, let it go. Sing it. Let it go. Yeah, we have to let it go. We do. Yeah, if Oscar was here now, we would. We would have him sing that. So, and we can learn from the example of Jesus and from John the Baptist to just let our answers be, um, you know, legitimate, but yes or no. And it's okay to say, I don't know. And it might be okay to say, it's none of your business. I don't know. (laughs) I I would not be that rude. I'll never be quite that rude, you know. I'll usually just change the subject. My phone is ringing. Wonder who that is. I'm asking another question. Uh, Texas? Uh, I'm sure it must be a telemarketer. So, I haven't had one of those for a few days. Uh, me? They're wanting to probably sell me something good. Okay. Or I could answer and say yes or no and hang up. Okay. Okay. So. They said, well, who are you? And he simply said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. And that is quoting Isaiah, who lived some four to five hundred years before Jesus ever came, or maybe even longer than that. And then the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him more. Yes or no wasn't good enough for them, right? Right. So they said, why then do you baptize if you're not really the Messiah, if you're not Elijah or a prophet? Why are you doing all this? Okay. So they're trying their best to find out who this fella John is. And he said, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie." Now all of this happened in Bethany on the other side of the Jordan River, where John was baptizing, okay? So there's the encounter of the religious people with John. Now in verse 29, we're going to see John as he encounters Jesus coming to the river. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, you know, there are a lot of people standing around, a lot of people coming to be baptized by John. And John, I could just see, kind of put his hand up like a megaphone. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then everybody cast their eyes toward Jesus. There's a song we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of life will go strangely dim in light of his glory and grace. So look to the Lamb of God. There he comes. He'll take away the sin of the world. And this is the one I meant when I told the people yesterday, John says, that I am baptizing with water, but there is a man who comes after me, Who was before me. Okay, he said the reason I came baptizing with water was that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. Okay, and then John gave this testimony. He was talking about how he had baptized our Lord. Have you ever heard that old song on the wings of a snow-white dove? God sent his pure white love i believe it was a pure bright love or something like that but the brightness of the glory of god and the dove that came down and john gave this testimony i saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him i love the doves when they come to my house and i was visiting a family one time who had moved to this area not long after I had moved to this area, and the gentleman loved to hunt, and he moved from another state. And he said, "I'm I'm I'm a dove hunter," and I said, "Oh, I wish you hadn't told me that." So I get and he, they were Christian people, and uh, I said, "I have the doves that come to my house, and I feed them, and they're like my pets." And I said, "You know, the Holy Spirit is symbolized by the dove." He said, "Really?" And I began telling him. And um, he said, well, you know, I'm, I'm going to switch my prey and start shooting something else. I'll shoot clay pigeons. Clay pigeons, OK? Um, target practice. Because after I told him that the doves, to me, represented God's presence, and there's something about the doves that they're peaceful to me. They have that sound. Do you ever hear the doves? Yeah, I love to hear them, don't you? It's a peaceful sound. and." John the Baptist used the image of the dove, that it came down upon Jesus. And he said, I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Notice that's, in this translation at least, is in all capital letters, which means a title. So you can add, when you have all the titles or names of Jesus, like Great uh, Physician, Good Shepherd, um, Light of the World, King of Kings, and you just start naming all the names that you can think of for Jesus, add this one, God's Chosen One. And you know, you can also become... God's chosen one. I mentioned a few moments ago about the word Christian, and the word Christian means anointed, and that means that you and I, the ones who follow God's chosen one, Jesus, become followers of him, imitators of Christ, and that's where the word Christian comes from. Christian means to be like Christ or to be the image of Christ or to bear Christ's image. Okay. So I have seen and testify. What have you seen and what do you testify about? Verse 35, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. Is there anything more pure and innocent than a little baby lamb have you ever been around baby lambs or sheep anybody ever been around them uh at one actually at two churches i pastored i've done this a couple of times i have not done it here but uh, right around easter time for the easter message there was always farmers who lived close by who had sheep in their farm and there will always be a little baby lamb born around Easter time. And so I would let them, I would borrow a little lamb from them and I would put on my purple robe with the sash and all of that and walk around in the church carrying the little baby lamb up in my arms. And I walk all through the congregation and up and down the aisles. I would let the children touch the lamb or even the older people. You'd be surprised how many people wanted to touch the little lamb. Now I know in Jesus' day they looked at it totally different. That was a commercial product they lived by. It was a part of their livelihood, and you know. But we think of a, some of us more as a novelty than we do as something that's required for survival. But in that part of the world, the lambs are, uh, you know, just, they're cute little creatures. They all are. I asked a man one time in the church years ago do you know anything about sheep? Because I knew he lived on the farm. And he said, I know just enough about them to stay away from them so that I don't ever have to have any of them. Because he said they can be sometimes kind of hard to deal with. And, you know, just, I remember I told you when we were in uh, Israel seven months ago and we're walking down through Bethlehem, a little boy was there just, and I I think I showed that picture here when I came back, but it was a little... Um, Arab boy standing there, and he had just a little guy, but he had a little baby lamb in his arm. It was all he could do to hold it up. And I realized this little boy was collecting money to feed his family. And I did find out he was whatever the tourist would give him, whether it's a quarter or a dollar or whatever, that was the money that fed the family. They were having a really hard time. And so I was going to pet the little lamb and drop a little money in his hand. And he said, no, no, no. And he he had me bend down, and I stooped down to his level. And the next thing I know, he put the lamb right around my shoulders. And he said, stand up. And here I am, and I have this little lamb around my shoulder, and it's just docile and quiet. And it's just just there. And all day, uh, when I took it off, they have something like a, it's a little oil that's on them through the wool that uh, creates, I don't know what it is, but I had that, my my collar was slick the rest of the day, and so was my coat. But uh, that little boy had placed the lamb upon me, and there I guess is a sermon somewhere in all of that. But, he, but the one purpose that the Pharisees and the le- religious leaders understood about lambs in that day is the the pure lamb, the perfect lamb that had no spot or blemish or sickness about it would be used as a sacrifice. They would kill it and let its blood flow and then they would burn the remains and that would be the, the, the sacrifice, the lambs, the lamb without spot or blemish. And so they said, behold, here is the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, which means he who is without sin. Remember the Bible says he who had no sin became sin for us. He took upon himself the form of a servant. He took upon himself all the transgressions and all the burdens and all the sins, sicknesses, and problems of life. He took that upon himself. So John saw Jesus go by and he said, look, the Lamb of God. And so when he said that, two of the disciples turned around and they started following Jesus. They followed Jesus and after a little while, Jesus turned around when he saw them and he asked them, what do you want? What are you following me for? And what was their answer in verse 38? Rabbi, What does the word rabbi mean? Rabbi means teacher, the teacher. They said, where are you staying? Where do you live? Where where are you staying? And Jesus says, come and you will see. Follow me and I'll show you where I'm at. And so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that whole day with him until it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Boy, wouldn't you like to have that space and time to sit and talk to Jesus. What would you talk to him about? Have you ever thought about it? Yeah, but I know we do. But what, what if he could, so, could somehow walk in and we knew that, that it was him physically? We would want to touch him, right? We would want to shake hands. More than a handshake, we would like a hug. Anyway, but, but we can know him and we do know him through faith and by the presence of the Holy Spirit. But just think of these first two disciples, how they must have felt to actually be able to spend that time with him and let him explain to them the mysteries of God. Simon, or Simon Peter, and his brother Andrew uh, were two of the people who heard that, that John said. And so Andrew asked the question, or he said, we have found the Messiah that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. In other words, they knew that you are. Jesus looked at him and said, your name is Simon. He's known as Simon Peter. You are the son of John. You will be called Cephas, which translated means Peter or Petros. So we were talking here earlier today um, with someone how names are so very important and names are important. Um, We knew of a lady here a number of years ago, I was sharing this with someone else that came by who in our early days of Shades of Grace, and a dear precious lady who was here, and uh, she didn't stay a few months that she was here, but she had so many uh, issues going on in her uh, mind and in her life, she was so troubled and uh, just had so many things going on, but we got a birth certificate for her uh, for legal purposes, and her legal name given to her was S-I-M-P-L-E, that was her name, Simple. And I I think how names define who we are sometimes. So, you know, keep the names positive, strong, uh, you know, something that a lot of people name their children with Bible names. You know uh some of you here might have a biblical name that one back there it's daniel i always call him christian i always get that mixed up he says pastor will it's christian i love you daniel so anyway i i make up my own names for people sometimes but i don't know if i told you the story there was a man and woman who lived way back in the hills one time and they didn't uh, know too much but they knew a little bit about the bible but they couldn't explain all the words in the Bible, but they had a whole lot of children. They hadn't figured out how to stop having a whole lot of children. So they found out one day they were gonna have another child, but they said, we've run out of Bible names. We don't know what to name this one. We've already got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Mary, Elizabeth, and Ruth, and you know, they named them on. They said, we... so I know what we're gonna do. We're just gonna open up, and I may have told you this story. We're gonna open up the Bible, and we're gonna close our eyes, and we're going to ask God to help us, and whatever name, whatever we touch with our finger, with our eyes closed, is going to be what we're going to name this next baby that's coming. Well, they did that, and they pulled out the old family Bible, and they opened it up, and they put their name down, and he said, here it is, Ma, here it is. And she said, well, what is it? She said, it's, the best I can tell, Pislam Siv. He said the puzzle himself. So, so the preacher came by later that day, and they said, "We we picked out this name for our next baby that's coming. It's a good Bible name. We want you to come and pray over us and have a service and all that." He said, "Well, I hate to tell you, madam, but he says this this means Psalm five or no? Let's see, C I V. That would be uh, what is that's 104. That that means Psalm 104." So the psalm was P-S-A-L-M for psalm, and the C-I-V was Roman numerals for 104. So is Jimmy laughing about that? So um, I guess they call him Civ for short. I don't know. But anyway, that's just a funny little thing that we talk about. But names really are important. They are. Okay. And um, so be careful what you call somebody. Call him a beloved child of God. You'll never go wrong with that, right? We are the beloved children of God. Call one another sister or brother, right? Claim kin with one another, the family of God. Okay, Uh, let's try to finish this up quickly. Verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. That's down along the seashore of Capernaum. Finding Philip, he said, follow me. And uh, he said, We found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. His name is Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what was the first thing that one of those old boys said? Well, we know where Nazareth is. There ain't nothing good could come out of that place. Right? that would be kind of like saying, that's podunk holler. Who in the world ever came from there that amounted to anything, right? And most of them who were rabbis and teachers and big names of that day, they all had credentials and all the things to back up their name. But Nathaniel said, "Uh, is anything good come from there? And Philip said, come on, let's find out, look. But when Jesus saw Nathaniel coming close, He said, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit or no falsehood. And Nathanael said, well, how do you know me? And then Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip ever called your name. And that convinced Nathanael. And he said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Did you know Jesus saw you under your fig tree long before you ever knew a whole lot about what was going on? The fig tree is just used as an example of any situation in life. Uh, they used to tell us when we were children that they found us under cabbage leaves, uh, under cabbages. Did y'all ever hear that one? How many of y'all were born in the cabbage field? <laughs> Have you ever had that? heard that? Huh? Oh, you were born in the corn field. Okay. Oh, okay. So, but they used to say, and you know, then they talk about, then they upgraded and said the stork comes and brings you, right? Okay. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I know we got five minutes left and I'm just making you laugh a little bit and help you feel good about yourself. But what is the fig tree to you? Wherever you have been, that was a pivotal point in your life. When maybe you'd been praying You've been asking God, Lord, what do you want me to do? What can I do? Where can I go? what can I say when I get there? And here it is, Jesus already calling this man and says, I got something for you to do. I'm gonna give you the words to speak when we get there. So all you have to do is just follow me. And wouldn't it be better if we could all just be that way with our faith and just say to all those hard questions of the Bible, I don't know. Because sometimes I find out the people who think they know don't know any more about it than I do. It's just like, this is what somebody told me, so that's how it must be. But we don't know. We just have to follow Jesus and whatever Jesus teaches us. You see, the word rabbi means teacher. And Jesus is the great rabbi, the teacher sent from God. And you know him. He's your friend. He's in you. He's with you. So let him talk to you, whatever he says to you. It's just like, and I'll wind it up with this for now. Remember the very first miracle that Jesus ever performed? Where was it? Cana of Galilee. It was another little podunk holler place. I've been there, it's just a tiny little place in Galilee. It never has been a big city or a big place. But that's where Jesus was at a wedding and he turned the water into wine Remember, they ran out of the wine, and they said, what in the world are we going to do? And the mother of Jesus was there, the Bible says. And like any good Jewish mother would do, she looked to those other disciples, and then she looked to the servants, and she said, whatever he says for you to do, you do it. Don't question him. And that's what you got to do. Just follow Jesus. When Jesus tells you to do something, just know, know that you are his little lamb. And you know his voice. Don't you know the voice of God when he speaks to you? That's still a small voice. And you may hear it. You may just have a feeling in your soul. But just follow him, and it'll be okay. And that's all it took to convince Nathaniel that he was the son of God, the king of Israel. In the last verse, 50, Jesus said, and He really the original text put this into the form of a question Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? Is that the reason you believe? Or he could have said, I know that's why you believe, but you will see greater things than that. And whatever you have witnessed, experienced, or felt, or seen under your fig tree experience, always claim the last part of that verse, that greater things than that you will see. The best is yet to come. How many of you believe that? The best is yet to come, and it is. The best is yet to come. And then he said, truly, I tell you, you will see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So that takes us all the way through John chapter one. I don't teach too many, classes very much so I kind of get a little bit scattered and um, I love to chase rabbits but when I catch them I don't know what to do with them <laughs> and then I got to run them back down into another rat what would you say Jimmy oh, oh I thought I heard Jimmy over the desk <laughs> he's gonna repent before I get back over there no comment okay we ought to have a whole nest full of rabbits here but now as, as much as I chase them right all right. Have y'all, uh, have y'all had a good day today? And I hope that you've enjoyed our time together. I'm not Pastor Regina. I'm not Dr. Smitty. But I'm here, as Regina would say, a child of God, a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, as she shared with us in the book of James. So God bless you all. If you've got any questions or anything, I'll be right here. I'll be glad to talk to you uh, when we close. But I'm going to... Uh, ask us to pray together the Lord's prayer in closing today. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil.